is Nicole Whitney, News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. It's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yes, this is Uri. Hi, Uri. It's Nicole Whitney calling News for the Soul. Welcome to News for the Soul, Robert Allen. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here with you tonight. Why are you here? We're talking to Carolyn Mace about Sacred Contracts, one of her many best-selling books. Welcome to the show, Greg Braden. Next on News for the Soul, Light Body Healing with Dr. Lara. Dr. Lara is a functional medicine health coach, an advanced practice clinical pharmacist specialist, master intuitive healer and channel, and international teacher and speaker on a mission to empower you to take an active role in your healing journey to achieve holistic health mastery of the mind, body and spirit. Dr. Lara combines energy medicine with functional medicine to facilitate healing at the root level. Call in now to speak with Dr. Lara today. 646-595-4274. 646-595-4274. Please welcome Dr. Lara back to News for the Soul. Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and today we have with us Chantal Daughtry and Matthew Green. They are from an organization called Fifth Place, and they are emotional fitness experts, trainers, and coaches. And so we're just going to jump right in and allow them to introduce themselves to you and tell them Uh, We would love to know all about how you came to be these experts and coaches in this field because it is super important, which is why I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. Uh, We can obviously hear who I am, so it's wonderful to be here. And, yes, it's been an interesting journey. We didn't actually start out in this particular field but learned a whole lot along the way. The journey really starts in 2016, but I'll let Chantel say hello and then we can sort of jump in a little bit further in terms of how we decided or how we got to be where we are. Yes, hi, I'm Chantel. So lovely to be here. Thank you so much. And yes, we've had a very interesting journey into the realm of emotional fitness, uh, which started, in fact, in the under-resourced school space. Uh, where Matthew and I were working, and it was actually Matthew more than myself that really got a sense of how much trauma was um, evident in that space. Uh, being a EFT practitioner, um, he had a had a resonance with the trauma, not only with the learners but also teachers and community. Um, and he really felt like we needed to do something about it because when someone is traumatized, they can't learn. They're just incapable of learning, so it doesn't matter what resources you throw at the problem. If the person isn't resourced themselves emotionally, they're not going to be able to do any learning whatsoever. Yeah, and and just to contextualize that, I mean, under-resourced in a developing country means you have a lot of people living on less than $5 a day. And so really it is dire. I mean, there's violence, there's poverty, there's child-headed households because HIV AIDS has taken the parents away, literally. And and it really 
um, it was bad. And also Africa as a continent, and just talking to you a little bit about what the inspiration was, is a traumatized continent. It suffers from the legacy of colonialism, um, slavery, and here specifically we have the legacy of apartheid. And so really trauma is a thing. And um, mm-hmm. I think going into that space, we were sort of pushed right up against it. Mm. And Matthew was determined <clears throat> to do something about it. I was like, yes, well, you know, I'm not really into the helping space. My my focus was on coaching and was on um, his sort of human development uh, and growth. Uh, but Matthew was determined. And it's re- because I'm also very... Uh, aligned with the education and the need for education, I said, okay, I'm going to come along on this journey and see what it looks like. And we went on this journey. We did lots of work. We've been working um, with groups already, uh, but we felt that whatever it is that we needed to we needed to develop, obviously had to work with children as well as adults. Now, EFT as a, as a therapy um, predominantly is quite intellectual and cognitive, and it works you need to have an emotional vocabulary. So it's typically used in, in the adult sphere and also one-on-one. It's typically a one-on-one therapy. And we needed to have something that could work both with adults and with children. And more importantly, it had to work at scale. It had to work with groups because children were going to be arriving in groups. And also the um, scale of the problem is such that if you're going to, if you're going to do something one-on-one, it is going to take forever. And that's if we have the, the right number of, of uh, resources, the right number of practitioners, as well as the right number of funding. And we tell this wonderful story around um, the, the levels uh, that we're working with. So I'm going to get, let Matthew um, tell the story of the 23 to 100,000. <laughs> so just... Uh... South of Johannesburg is a football stadium. It's the largest football stadium in Africa. It has a capacity of 94,000. And so what we like to do is just say, well, we'll shove a few more people into the aisles and really fill it full to the brim so we get to the round number of 100,000. So if you can kind of conceptualize what that might look like, first of all, and then take a moment and imagine 23 people standing outside the stadium. And that's the ratio of psychologists to population here in South Africa. And so if you then have to imagine how long it would take for those 23 people to attend to the 100,000, notwithstanding access, uh, financial resources, because as we explained earlier, you know, financial resources are fairly thin on the ground, especially when it comes to this kind of thing. And so part of what the time, the time too, Mm -hmm. but where where we ended up is this this journey that we went on, which was inspired by these challenges. We came out the other side and we developed a model process and tool for regulating emotion. And it works with children as well as adults. It works in groups and it's kind of homegrown, although it has applicability across the world because we now use it across the world. But to finish the analogy of the stadium, if you take one person that's trained in this process and you put them in the stadium and everybody can see and hear them, then that one person can support 
those 100,000 people all at the same time. And then you really start to make meaningful shifts. You make meaningful shifts in terms of consciousness, uh, well-being. As you know, I mean, from an energetic perspective, we really start to make mm-hmm. a dent in this type of thing. And our dream and vision is to really see, hopefully in our lifetime, the opportunity and possibility to do something on that scale. Mm. And then this this process that we developed is part of the bigger holistic approach to what we call emotional fitness because emotional fitness is like physical fitness. You don't get up one day, run around the block and then expect to run a marathon in a week. Emotional fitness is something that is, an, that is a process. It's, it's multifaceted and holistic. And in our, in our world has five pillars, which we can go into a little bit later. But um, the, the shape of emotion process and what we call emotional fitness classes or doing that kind of practice is part of building your emotional fitness. Um, And we've come to this part here in 2022, um, having done, continued to do a great deal of research, great deal of of work and and working in different spaces and with different groups and with different people um, with this this program or this, this, this offering, I suppose, in how to build, but then also remain emotionally fit. Yes. Wow. Thank you. That was a beautiful background. And that's probably one of the best imagery explanations I've ever really heard about a scaling the problem versus the resources. That was excellent. I really love that. So thank you so much. Wow. You guys, that's, it's amazing. I'm so excited just hearing about your story and your goals and your ambitions and your motivation and all the momentum is, it feels like you have all this momentum carrying you along, which was, feels really good. So let's go more into, um, we talked about a little bit, just scratch the service, really, what is emotional fitness? Let's unpack that and maybe, and, and, you know, talking about it is a practice. So whenever during this hour that we're bringing up concepts, if you're out there listening, be inspired to take action, but don't put that burden on yourself that it'll be overnight change. You can have dramatic change in a short amount of time with anything, but just I, practice is so important. So I'll give you the floor. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, because really that's, re- that's what we, we advocate. We do advocate that it's all about taking the step that's in front of you. Um, and also that it starts with me. So I can't blame or expect anybody else to do this for me. It's really up to me. And then up to me to choose what it is that I'm going to do. And we always say, take the small but sustainable step. So don't try to climb that mountain in one go. Just take the first step that's in front of you and then just practice that over and over. Emotional fitness, as I said previously, is, is a holistic approach to a way of being in the world. And, and for us, there are five elements, five pillars to it. And those pillars um, encompass thinking, feeling, moving, relating, and nourishing. And if we look at the thinking side, thinking is around lifelong learning. It's constantly wanting to grow, develop, learn, whatever that may mean to the person, but keeping your brain active, keeping yourself engaged in doing new and interesting things. 
and then also from a reflection perspective, um, using reflective practice also for gaining insight and self-awareness. So that's the thinking side. I'm going to come to feeling right at the end. Um, the next one we look at is nourishing. So nourishing is around not only your diet, not only what you put into your body, but also self-care. So how do you look after yourself? Um, and self-care isn't selfish. And certainly after these two and a bit years that we've been through, I think we've come to realize that self-care is really important to us, to us in order to look after our emotional and psychological well-being. Um, the moving side is, is exercise, moving. Our bodies need to move. So we have to be active in some way. We, we, we typically in the Western world are very sedentary. And certainly, again, these last two and a bit years have made us worse because we've just sat behind our, our screens, engaged behind our screens. We don't get up and move as much as we could. So the, 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 the encouragement there is to do some movement of some kind, whether it's walking, whether it's dancing, whether it's yoga, whatever it is, whatever you love to do, but to do that on a daily basis. Do something that is going to get your body moving because our body also, when we move our body, when we specifically when we do some type of exercise, it does help with um, attending to stress, um, and that it helps with tension and stress, uh, helps us also relieve those, those um, uh, hormones and chemicals, release them as well. So movement is really important. Um, relating, relating is about socialization, it's about building up a strong, strong network of community, um, it's connecting with others. It doesn't have to be a big social circle, but just somebody or some people that are close that we can trust, that we can sit with and engage with. And face-to-face -face is far more better and in, in um, real time and with each other as real bodies, not just through a screen. Because as you know, we regulate each other. Um, as when, we, when we're with each other, we regulate each other. And so we need to be with other people as well. So building those networks, building community, building connectedness is really important. And then feeling is the part that we really look at is um, finding mindfulness um, type um, uh, 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 practices or some kind of practices that are going to help you attend to releasing um, your emotional or, or finding ways to attend to your emotional state. So in our world, we look at using shapes of emotion or other mindfulness, breath, uh, breath work, mindfulness practices as well, but we have what we call an emotional fitness class, which is a little bit like yoga for your emotions. We are allowed to, we, not allowed, but it's a space where you uh, are able to release and let go of whatever difficult emotion you have at that time. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's uh, a pro practice that you, you can just attend to it. We have a process that you use to, to work with the structure of the emotion and then allow to let it go release and let it go, and then next find a supportive emotion that you can then make bigger and really resource yourself for the rest of the day or whatever part of the day or night because it's actually quite useful to do it um, when you are just about to go to bed as well. And, and sleep is part of that nourishing part too because sleep is so massively important and that will fit in the nourishing section as well. So, so that for us is the sort of holistic approach to um, emotional fitness that we see, and it's not, it's not um, 
what we say we don't we don't prescribe so it's not prescriptive uh, we obviously encourage people to um, find out and experience our um, shape of emotion process as a tool that they can use but it's not prescriptive um, and it's also very much in line with where individuals are in their life and what they are prepared to do and to commit to to make those small sustainable changes. Yes, wow, that's a beautiful process. I love all the the pieces and, and arms to it. And they're all so important individually, but when you put them together as a whole, just it is very powerful. And I just... So I think we have this worldwide epidemic of really of the chronic anxiety of increased stress, not knowing how to deal with it. And mm-hmm. um, so many of the aspects that you brought forward can help someone in, you know, just in the slightest little bit, like, you know, turning that perspective like you said, taking that first step like out of the dark hole, so to speak, because I know um, in my past I've suffered with depression and and anxiety, and it's like when you're in it, a lot of times you can't see out of it. And um, that's what I love, too, that you're creating community. And um, and like you said, like in person right there next to someone is really the best. Um, and there's been amazing studies about heart coherence, and I'm sure um, you're familiar with those studies. I love reading about um, the, the heart math method and, you know, how literally we create a magnetic field with our heart. And when we're in a state of coherence, we can actually affect other people and help them to change their vibration and, and level up and um, so I love that, and I promise a question is coming. <laughs> I seem to be just rambling right now. It's okay. <laughs> so um, I guess. Yeah. Yes. So I guess um, my question is, and I love how you said, like, you meet people where they are. So there's not one specific, like you said, prescriptive place. But if you do have a person that, is just coming to this work. They have been suffering. Maybe they're, you know, like a lot of Westerners, and I don't know if this is prevalent in your part of the world too, where we have this um, this mindset of, you know, there's 24 usable hours in every day, and if I'm not using them, then, and then we start then, and then we do like the, the self-deprecating and beating up on ourselves. Instead of allowing ourselves that space, which it, I I wish and I hope that someday we, as a culture, we can learn to recognize that space, that free time as self-care. But where do you suggest maybe um, a good place for a person like that to start? That's hard. I mean, that's, you know, that's a really like Mm -hmm. unwinding a lot of cultural baggage there too. (laughs) I just, I want to affirm what you're saying initially just to see and then how the answer evolves um, because you know we like to use the analogy of music and notes and space between the notes and the space between the notes are as important as the notes otherwise it's just noise and we also have a lot of parallels or not necessarily parallels but draw inspiration from 
people in the sports field because part of the work has applicability in terms of performance because you can uh, assist with boosting uh, sports performance. And sports people are very, very deliberate about taking breaks. And so they're a great example of being able to perform at an incredibly high level, but they're also incredibly aware of the importance of rest because it's in the resting that the recuperation occurs in, in order for you to be able to perform at that peak because you cannot perform at your peak consistently and constantly without the breaks. And so it would potentially be a kind of conversation in some elements around that. But again, as Chantel said, it's really just meeting the person where they are and we're very um, clear about starting with what you are feeling right here, right now, in this moment. And we often use the phrase or the question, what are you feeling? As opposed to how are you feeling? Because what then enables you to connect to the experience of whatever it is you are feeling. And really that's the step that's in front of us. That's the step in terms of this particular hypothetical. Or maybe it's not hypothetical. I mean, well, I know it's not because we've had them. Um, but the, the point being is that if, if you clear whatever is in front of you, then it opens up space for the next thing and then you can attend to that and attend to that. And we have seen again and again through doing this work, and this is an, on an individual basis, that really it comes down to this moment by moment emotional experience. What am I feeling now? Can I be with that feeling? Am I okay to be with it? Cool. No, I don't want to feel this. Any, then you can do something about using shape of emotion. Mm. And we we typically encourage it. We say to people, if nothing else, just take an emotional fitness class. If nothing else, go and see what it is that we do. If you're afraid to even do that and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, then just go and have a look at what it is that we look at what the the process looks like. So we have these little YouTube clips and specifically around anxiety, but it gives you a taste of the process because also we find people don't really like to do anything that they're not sure of. It's like, oh, I'm not sure of this. What does it mean? Am I going to have to talk about what I'm feeling like if I do this? And so being able to, to show them that this is what we actually do, this is the process that we follow, that if, certainly if we do it in a group, you don't. You don't have to say what it is that you're feeling. We can work, as Matthew was saying, with that 100,000 people, every one of them feeling something different. They don't have to say what it is they're feeling. They may not even know what it is that they're feeling because we know people get that wrong too. They're like, am I anxious? Am I depressed? Am I fearful? What is it that I'm actually feeling? So we say we don't even need you to label your emotions. Yes, labeling your emotions is great. And it's, you know, we do, we do, um, we do, we, it's not that we don't think that's a, great, a good thing to do, it's great, but sometimes it can get in the way of actually attending to how we feel. So all it is, is to um, work with the, the emotional fitness class or go and see what it is that we do and then just, you know, do it and see how that feels because then the person gets a lived experience of an opportunity to find relief. And this is the thing that we've had so much feedback on, is that, that we've had people that have gone, gosh, I didn't even know that I could feel relief from that feeling. I thought that this was just something I had to live with. And that's, 
and you know, so that was the aha moment. So if people aren't feeling great, it's not to say that it's going to go on for that they're going to have that relief forever because we know <laughs> we are, emotions will come back again, something will trigger mm-hmm. us again. But it's just knowing that I can find relief in a way that's going to be relatively safe, relatively easy, non-medicinal, um, is something that people find quite an aha moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think there's, you know, a, a vast um, norm of people that don't realize that they do have anxiety, chronic anxiety, because they haven't slowed down long mm-hmm. enough to feel those. They haven't created that space to feel those feelings. And a lot of us aren't even taught how to feel the feelings or what the feelings are called. So um, there's a few resources that I like in terms of helping people build that emotional uh, vocabulary. Like you mentioned earlier, one of the ones that I have and use a lot is called the emotional dictionary. Um, and then there's another one called the book of human emotions. And then there's another one called the emotions thesaurus. So if you just get on Amazon or Google and if you put in, you know, emotional dictionary, resources will come up. And sometimes I just find it interesting to like flip through the book. And it's amazing that we have so many words for emotions that we very rarely actually think about, oh, what what is this? How does this actually feel? Does it fit into my life? If so, where is it coming up? And all those things. And again, giving your space to just have that time to contemplate and be. And whether it's with yourself or a partner or a guide, coach, um, any of those scenarios are fine as long as it's, like you said, a safe safe space, non-judgmental space. And it's so interesting, too, that all, a lot of the processes you're describing are also tools that I use within my intuitive healing sessions. So, but, and I tell people, this is not about reliving trauma, honestly. Like, it's better, it's better if you don't verbalize and go into the story. Let's just work on the emotion, where it is in your body. And for me, I use light to, you know, to move it around, to transmute it. And then, like you said, once that person is, okay, we've moved it out, now what are we going to replace it with? Because we want also through this process to bring in and expand the vocabulary, if I'm understanding you correctly, and really be able to uh, put meaning and context and um, visceral, tangible Nest, that's not really a word, but <laughs> um, to the new positive emotions. And I think that's also part of what I love about this is that we're training ourselves to be in that positive emotional space instead of always focusing on, quote, what's wrong or maybe what needs to be fixed or what I don't like about where I am now. We're acknowledging it, but then we're moving into the space of, well, I can choose, and I love that you said that word earlier, I can choose to be in a different space. And um, and I think this is a, a big value that coaches in general, if, you know, they're, I'm, never mind, I'm not going to say that. If they're, um, most coaches, <laughs> most coaches will encourage their clients to choose to change that perspective. And so even if they're in a situation where they may be triggered or, um, or you know, continually stressed out, 
that they can, in the moment, once we have that practice and that foundation, then we can choose, okay, I am aware. I realize what's happening around me. I don't have to be in it, you know, like being in the, in the world versus of the world. <laughs> like, you know, I can see outside of this situation and, and I can choose a different um, perspective and emotion, even if something, you know, not pleasant is happening in and around you. Well, that talk to being emotionally fit is being less reactive to the external stuff, being less prone to being triggered as well, and holding or being able to hold the center. And it's not something you have to necessarily work. You have to do the work to get to that place. But the more emotionally resilient, emotionally fit you become, then the more you're able to be, in a way, impervious to what's happening around you. And that's really the, the goal. That's where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Non, less and non-reactive, absolutely. And, and I don't think that people really think about it this way. But once you get to that place, then really you're like the space holder. When you can be that calm in the chaos and that calm in the storm, and you can sort of be that lighthouse, be the person that's the example of, you know, vibrating higher, maintaining your positive outlook, hopefully your positive space, then that's also when you're, you know, sort of the influencer of the positive. Um, and that's powerful too. And I, and I don't, and I love that this is, this is a journey. It's a, you know, it happens over time because we're in a 3D world that where time and space, you know, really rules our world. But Mm -hmm. um, it's an evolution. And I love that, like you said, your mission is the more people you can help, then then the more people we have that, you know, in these contrasting situations can hold that space. And this isn't a, again, like this is about learning how to feel your emotions where you are now. And so it's not about, like, discounting what's happening at all. And if you're in a situation and you want to feel an emotion, absolutely, like, allow yourself to feel it. Because, and you said this before, once we feel the emotion, then it moves through us and out of us. And it's no longer a part of us, right? And I I think that that's huge, too, and sort of in chronic stress and also, like, how disease evolves and inflammation is held in our body. I feel like we, this is my perspective anyway, we hold these emotions inside of us and we don't know what to do with them. We resist them, which prohibits us from feeling and allowing us to really them to move through and out of us. And then when we're triggered or something happens again, then it's, it comes back almost quicker and faster and it creates this what in science we call a negative feedback loop instead of a positive <laughs> positive feedback loop would be like the heart coherence, you know? Um, so yes. Can, can you share examples of that? Like that you've seen in your practice? Mm-hmm. Just some feedback there as well. Uh, you have to accept where you are before you can change and move to a different place. And that is a struggle. We, we refer to, people's strategies or unresourceful strategies to avoid 
the way they feel is banning, burying, avoiding, or numbing. And that's also part of that lack of space that you were mentioning earlier. And you, you do need to be okay with the concept of actually feeling something mm. and coming back to your body because what we learned is that our emotions show up in our body, on our body, or around our body, in the space around our body. <clears throat> mm. And mm-hmm. then, you going to say? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, the the other thing, oh, sorry, I swear, you'll someone will have to jump in because I lost my train. Of <laughs> um, I was going to say that um, it is about the coming back to your body. So, so it is really. To you know, you, we, Matthew was talking about the banning, the the sort of being cut off, so very disconnected from our bodies, and and we found that with some of our with some clients that they are so disconnected from the body. In fact, the only time that our process has not worked is when, and we had two cases, well, we had three. The one where somebody was was clearly had had some severe trauma in her in her past, um, and and just was completely disconnected from her emotions. She would literally say, I only know, um, I only know that I'm supposed to be happy because the people around me are happy and then I, I kind of behave wow. like what they're behaving. So that's how disconnected she was from her own state. Um, but two others weren't able to access and utilize the process because they were consistently in their own in their head. I mean they were constantly, they couldn't connect to their body. So their head was, would take over. And when I say the head, it was they were constantly overthinking. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? What am I seeing? They couldn't relax into the process and just trust it. They were, it, it just was so difficult for them to do that. And there's an irony in that because the tendency to live in your head is as a result typically of an emotional trauma. Mm. So our Isn't that, yeah. 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 So really, the, the 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 point here is it is you know the the step is to come back into to be okay. So we say there are three things when you want to embark on emotional fitness. Do you want to become more emotionally fit? First of all, understand that it starts with you. That's the first thing. You can't blame. You can't expect anybody else to be the person that's going to do this for you. It's like saying I want to take I want to study for a degree, but Chantel must take my exam. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it it certainly it starts with me. Um, I've got to come back to my body. So I I, I need to know that it 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 it's it, I've got to be comfortable that I'm going to be coming back to my body. And now the third one's gone and completely. Because <laughs> I actually want to do. That. Oh yes, I want to. That's right. So I really want to ha- want to do this because we know that when it comes to any change. Um, especially adaptive change, that it, it's, going, it's going to take time, effort, and energy. And, and sometimes, you know, we kind of want the change, but we don't really want to put in the effort. And there's no judgment in that. You know, we've, we've all got so much capacity for so, you know, and, and that's also why I think some people want a quick fix. They want a quick fix because, like, it, it's become almost untenable. But at the end of the day, they're like, I really don't know if I've got the capacity to add this to my list of things I need to do today, which is what you were saying earlier about that, you know, mm-hmm. I've got four hours in a day and I've got to use them to the best of my ability. And uh, and mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's in that state where, 
you really need to be like, yes, I definitely want to make, I want to do differently in the world and then to be able to make the commitment again on some more sustainable steps. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten to the point with my clients where we go at the beginning of our working together, we go through a calendaring process, especially for those that are very, you know, structured in their schedule. Let's just call it, <laughs> let's just refer to it that way. And I, I encourage them, if not say, you know, you schedule your time for exercise and you schedule your time to go to work or do whatever it is that pays your bills, you have to schedule your self-care time. And I, and I say, I want you to decide when that's going to happen and what that's going to look like. And do it, and I do it at a process like once a week at the beginning of whatever that week is for them. And and part of this also is to, once you plan and you decide that at the beginning, then it takes the decision fatigue out for the rest of the week. And so, yes, things will come up. But when you've already created that space, you've already made plans to have the kids taken care of or in school or wherever they are, you know, maybe your spouse is doing something else too. You have set aside this time for yourself and you've said, okay, um, today it's going to be meditation and not judging yourself about how the meditation goes or what it looks like, but just giving yourself that space to, because this is something else we do a lot too. Like we're like, oh, I'm not a good meditator because I can't completely quiet my mind. How many humans on the planet actually ever completely quiet their mind? I'm going to say zero <laughs> because it's just not how our minds evolved and are created. <laughs> but the magic in meditation, again, is the space, the space between the thoughts, because the more you meditate, the longer that space will get. And um, so anyway, yes, just plan, start to plan for that self-care time, for that reflective time. It doesn't have to be, I mean, ideally, I would love it if everyone meditated every day, but it doesn't have to be that. You know, maybe you meditate on Mondays and then on Tuesdays you allow yourself a hot bath and on, you know, Wednesdays you take yourself for a walk in nature and, you know, you re-attune yourself to what it, the birds sound like and what the breeze feels like and all, you know, just different things. So, yes, creating the space. And I think this is also to what, the pandemic, you know, the, the silver lining in the pandemic was that we were forced to stop. And for a lot of us, that brought up emotions. For a lot of us, that brought up, oh, wow, I didn't realize how burnt out I actually was. Mm -hmm. You know, how stressed I actually was. Like, you, we've been existing in these states for so long that we don't realize that those aren't the happy ideal states that are full potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a lot, that's this great resignation that's especially happening, you know, in, in the Western world is because people have reprioritized and they mm -hmm. want to find something that makes them happy and they want to find a way to live where they do have the time and the space every day to at least do something for themselves instead of being so jammed up with doing for everyone else but themselves. Mm -hmm. I think there it's in the name of what we are. We are human beings and not human doings. Uh, to be a little oh, yeah. bit light of heart. And I think, you know, hearing how you just described that so wonderfully, you know, it's about reclaiming the being part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And also about coming back. 
you know, when we when we want to start a practice or we want to start something where we want to sort of uh, establish a new habit, it's really difficult um, to keep it going sometimes because we'll kind of fall off the wagon, you know, we'll do it great during the week and then on the weekend something comes up and we change and we're like, ah. And we always say it's about coming back. It's about consistently coming back because that's what meditation is all about. Meditation isn't about finding your mind cleared for how many how, how many minutes it is. It's actually about realizing my mind's gone on a walkabout and then bringing it back to the breath or bringing it back to the light or whatever it is that, you, that you're focusing on. And again, with the practice, we consistently say it's not about doing the practice consistently, which yes, it is, but it's about when you stop doing it, that you come back. And it's the, in the welcoming back and in the coming back that actually you show, ah, oh, I do know that this is good for me and I'm coming back to do it. I'm not just going to give up. That's the important part. We encourage uh, our clients and well, people, anyone, whether they're one-on-one -on -one or people who come for the emotional fitness classes to try and do 80%. 80% of the time is all you need from a consistency perspective. And if you don't make that, don't beat yourself up. Um, but we found that usually in the 20% or the 30% is that that's going to be a mixture of a whole lot of other things. But if you can try and get at least sort of 50 to 60% of what you're doing to be the same thing, that's when the neuroplasticity stuff starts to kick in. That's when you're really reprogramming and forging the habit so that when you're not that motivated, then the habitual side of it will help bring you over the line, as mm -hmm. it were, in terms of mm -hmm. the continual attending to to your to yourself, because it really is that we we like to look at this work in the same way as you would nourish yourself physically in terms of eating meals. You, know, you get hungry, then you make a choice around what it is that you wish to do. <clears throat> Sometimes it may be that life necessitates having fast food, but don't make that the norm. That can be that 20%, but most of the time, make sure you're cultivating sort of nourishing, wholesome kind of inputs, food-wise and, and otherwise. Mm -hmm. I agree. It is, yes, This these practices are just as important as the food that we eat and the air that we breathe because it doesn't matter how well you eat. You know, you can... Do any eating practice that at the time, you know, science is saying is the absolutely most healthy thing possible. But if you are literally working yourself to the bone, mm -hmm. then that stress will undo any and all benefit that you got from that food. And I was talking about this with a colleague yesterday that it's amazing, you know, how, oh, he just got back from Italy. And he was saying how they there's some practices that the Italians do on a daily basis that in America or by like the um, healthcare organizations might be considered quote unquote unhealthy. But if you look at the overall health of Italy, it is much better than the United States. And we were talking about how their level of stress is a lot less. They just live differently. They don't, they actually don't allow like their priority is on family on creating those downtimes, you know, in the middle of the day that the making sure they come together for community at specific times and even impromptu times. So I think these are things that we really need to look at worldwide and say, ooh, 
you know, what's working in, in other parts of the world that we can implement wherever we are, where we, where we see imbalance and that imbalance perpetuated by the cultural standards. And I think more than any other time, at least in, in our existence now, we're really coming forward and saying, I think a larger and larger uh, a ma- amount of us are saying no more. Like, no, these cultural standards are not good. They're not healthy. We want to create new ones, different ones, and this is what that can look like, and we can all benefit from it. And I love that you guys are part of this movement, and what you're doing is so powerful and and so helpful. So tell everyone where um, they can find you, and feel free to comment on anything I just said, too. <laughs> I like how you said about creating something new. In our experience, the incumbent, particularly system, systemic type incumbent, institutions, that kind of thing, are not going to change. If they were going to change, excuse me, <clears throat> they would have changed already. And the more you resist something, the more you inadvertently energize it, so it's far better mm-hmm. to create something new. And mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, back, back at you, it's really lovely to connect with somebody that's part of creating something different mm. and something new. So thank you. Mm. I talk, I say often that we, we are um, part of a constellation. So all of us are, are lights, are stars in this constellation. And we just want more and more and more of us because, you know, it's like we want to clear away that fog, we want to clear away the, the pollution so we can just see more and more stars in the, in the night sky. And that, that constellation can become like a Milky Way not just the little dots that we sometimes see in the sky if we're living in the city. Oh, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Wow, I'm so glad that we got to connect today. This has been wonderful. So we're finishing up. We have a few more minutes. And um, tell everyone where they can find your work and start to um, implement some action in their lives in this way. So if you'd like to know more about in general, what it is that we do, you can visit our website. It's uh, it's fifth.place, that's the number five, th.place. If you are interested in taking an emotional fitness class, then you can literally go to emotionalfitnessclass.com and <clears throat> you'll be then rerouted into the, what we call Emotional Fitness College, just a online kind of series of sort of courses and workshops you can explore the body of work that we have. If you do visit our website, we invite you to be or to join our community in terms of the mailing list. So we send out a weekly sort of newsletter that really just talks into the work and its applicability in everyday life. Because yes, we do get challenged, we get triggered, we get hooked sometimes with each other. It makes for interesting life experiences because we are also in partnership outside of our work. So it really is a sometimes fascinating space to be in because you have to live the work. Mm-hmm. We Absolutely. also have a podcast. So we also oh, have a podcast yes. called Emotions Matter Really. So really as in they really do matter. Emotions Matter Really, which people can go and, um, uh, uh, go and listen to as well. Is yeah. it on all the platforms? It's on all the platforms, yes. Perfect. Excellent. All right. Is there anything else before we finish up that there's you have a burning desire to bring forward or that we haven't touched on yet? 
Um, I don't know, just to, again, just to say, you know, our mission at this place is to make the world a better place by enabling the heart. And that's how to feel less stressed, how to feel less anxious, how to sleep better, how to be calm under pressure and so on and so on. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's got their own versions of how. And mm-hmm. it's just to say thank you for the opportunity to share uh, an aspect of what it is we are and, and what it is we do because we're all in this together. Yes, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much. And um, I'm going to have the links that you just spoke about posted on my website and the show notes page. So if anyone's looking for those links, they can go to drlaramay.com forward slash podcast, and it'll be the most recent posting. Well, or the posting that's dated around um, 7.20 to 7.25, because this episode is going to be aired this week on the 22nd. And then once it's aired live, then it gets reposted um, to my website with all of the show notes and links. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so that's, again, that's drlaramay.com, and you can see the podcast link in the main menu. So again, thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you for joining me. You're amazing guests and doing amazing work. And um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch as your work grows and evolves. And if there's anything specific that you would love to come back and talk about, and we can really unpack um, something specific in the work too. I love doing that with, with guests. You know, we, we bring you on, we give you the broad overview and then later we do follow-up episodes or more specifics um, aspects so again thank you and have a good day everyone thank you bye Bye.